I'm Jody Nisnik, and you're listening to So Much More. In John 16, 12, Jesus stated, There is so much more I want to tell you. He then pointed to the Spirit as the one who would come, who would further his teaching by bringing his word to life for us. So much more creates space for God to reveal his truth through his word. Today, I'm excited to have Natalia Drum with me as we have a conversation around Matthew 17 and what the Lord is teaching her. Natalia leads the ministry Girlfriends in the Word, which has a podcast by the same name and multiple published Bible studies. Her heart is to encourage women to spend regular time in God's word. She's also pursuing her master's at Dallas Theological Seminary. She lives in Southwest Florida with her husband and three boys. Well, welcome, Natalia. I am so glad to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me. It is such an honor to be with you and to speak with your audience about one of these beautiful passages of scripture. Yeah, well... I, Natalia and I met just a few weeks slash months ago at a podcasting conference. And if you listen to her bio, you know why we hit it off because our heart is the same and we are both studied and she's studying at Dallas Theological Seminary. And so I was just like, oh my, you have to be on the podcast. You're like, such a good, I know we're going to be great friends. So, oh anyway, yes, well, it's so like two I, sides to the same coin. <laughs> yes. So I quickly uh, called her and here we are. So thanks for um, taking time to be with us. Absolutely. Uh, well, Hey, before we dive in, I do want to start with a quick reminder about the passage. I shared more context in the meditation podcast, but just quick context here. This passage is commonly referred to as the transfiguration of Jesus, and we do go into a lot more depth in the Bible study to understand exactly what's happening and why it matters. But for meditation purposes, I wanted you to focus more on words that were spoken and what else was happening and not so much what exactly does transfiguration mean, although we may talk about that, but um, I wanted you to just try and lay that aside so you could let the Lord lead you into the passage. So let me read it for us real quick before we dive in. So this is Matthew 17 verses one through eight. Jesus took with him, Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. 
Okay. So we did this as Electio Divina, asking the Lord to just draw us into the um, passage and help us notice a word or phrase. So Natalia, let's start there. Tell me about where the Lord took you in this passage. Well, it's such an interesting process to do this the way you asked me to, right? Because as Bible study nerds, we want to dig into everything. And so to just sit and soak in the passage several times was really a cool process. Um, and there were a couple phrases that were interesting to me. The first one was took with him in verse one, um, where Jesus took with him, like Jesus made an intentional choice that he was like, he knew what was going to come. He knew what was going to happen and he took with him. And I just, I sat in that and thought, you know, like there are times where the Lord has led me places and I've, I've been confused by them. Like I've not understood why we're going somewhere and just watching the heart of God that he's taking me with him and just Mm -hmm. trusting that process of, you know, I don't, I don't have to understand it. Peter didn't understand it. James didn't understand it. John didn't understand what was going on, but yet they trusted the heart of Jesus. And so I think that just, that just resonated with me. Like, I don't have to understand it. Like it's going to be something that God's going to do. I don't have to understand it, but I have to trust that he is taking me somewhere through it. Mm, So that little phrase, just Jesus did something super intentional there. And I have to trust that he's doing something intentional with me too. See, this is one of the reasons why I love doing this Lectio Divina process, because I'm not sure that's ever stood out to me that little phrase, the way, but hearing you unpack it, there's just so much depth and truth in the fact that Jesus chooses us, takes us on a journey with him, actually invites us to join him on the journey. I mean, he didn't, he didn't make these men go up to the mountain by force. He invited them. He went, so that took with him is actually very invitational, um, and, and of course they went because yeah they loved him and wanted to be with him. Um, which is so inspiring for us because we want to go where Jesus is leading us. So yeah, I love that. Okay. So tell me what else. I think the other thing was like along that same line, I love Peter, right? Like he just, he says things and you're kind of like, dude, what are you talking about? Like <laughs> in the seminary and in me understands why Peter says, Hey, I'll build these shelters. But I thought the phrase, Lord, it is good for us to be here was really mm-hmm. cool because he got, even though he didn't understand the whole thing and Jesus tells them, you know, don't say anything later on. Um, Peter got that. It was good to be there. Like, mm-hmm. again, he didn't understand all the things and it kind of gets the the context mixed up on, you know, what he should do as opposed to just being in Jesus's presence. But he says something. And I think, I don't always think being where God wants me is a good thing, right? Like if I'm honest, like the seasons of my life that I'm in, I don't feel like they're good. Mm -hmm. They're hard. Mm -hmm. And they're not what I would have designed or desired. And I need to live in a place where I said, Lord, it's good for me to be here. Like if you have assigned me to this, if you have invited me to this place, if you are taking me on a journey here, then it's good for me to be here. And that that's really hard. For yeah. Me. Okay. So Psalm 23 is coming to mind. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. And like, that's exactly yeah. what you're saying. Highs 
they actually happen to be on a mountain. So this, we could call this a high, right? On a mountaintop. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but can we also say that when we're in the valley and when we're in the low place, it's good for me to be here. Oh, that takes a lot of trust. A lot of trust. Now you just said something about being on the mountain. I thought this was really interesting too. You know, as I kept reading through this, I kept coming back to, okay, so Jesus takes them up onto a high mountain and they're by themselves, you know, and I've, I've processed that before, Mm -hmm. like being by yourself because we really want, like, we're such a public culture, Mm -hmm. right? We're such a show me culture and a, a celebration, even in church, like a celebratory culture where everything is to some degree voyeuristic, right? Like everything is displayed on social media, but they're on the high mountain, right? Like they're in this intimate experience with Jesus and they're by themselves. Mm. And I just, I sat in that, like, there's some things that God doesn't need me to tell people about, right? Like there's some things that I don't need to post on social media. There's some things I don't need to record for the world to see. And sometimes those are the successes in those mountaintop moments where like my flesh wants to be like, Hey, look at this, you know, even, even in a good way, like, Hey, God did this. And sometimes it's not meant for everybody to see like this massive thing that Jesus is doing where he is revealing his glory. He doesn't show to the masses. He shows to three people. That's right. And so I just thought Mm -hmm. like, Oh, okay, Lord, maybe I just need to like, watch what I say, watch what I post watch what I share. Cause not everything is meant for everybody. But when you talked about like the highs and the lows, you know, that Psalm 23 passage, it's so interesting to me. And I don't know that I have caught this before. I mean, I think I've known about it, but not sat in it. But when the voice from heaven says, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Um, it's that he says that on the mountain, but the last time that was said was when Jesus was baptized and when he was down low, like you think about being baptized there in the river and you're in the low points of the earth, you're going down. And the father says it in these valleys, Mm. right? The valley with the water and the river and everything. And then the father also says it on the mountain. Mm. And so I just, I I thought that was really special for me to realize God's word didn't change whether it was in the valley or in the mountain, right? Like God's perspective was in the same. It was exactly the same in the river as it was on the mountaintop. And so just like, I need to keep his word close to me because whether I walk through these valley moments and I'm low in the earth or I'm high on the top of the mountain, God is the same. His perspective is the same. It is good in both places. And I tend to think it's not good in the valley. It's only good on the mountain. That's right. Yes, that is so what we do. Oh, that is such a beautiful parallel. Yeah. And Matthew's really intentional because Matthew does that, um, tells us that God speaks these words over Jesus back in chapter three. And now again, here mm-hmm. in chapter 17 and, and there it's very intentional. They're the exact same words, except for he adds here in 17, listen to him. So that's yeah. the difference. But um, so I love seeing those parallels and I hadn't thought about the fact that that was down in a valley um, in the beginning of his ministry. It, um, and then, you know, here he is on the mountain. I, I do want to go back for a minute to the fact that they were by themselves and what you were just talking about, about how we put everything on display. And 
what I didn't have in this passage is the next verse, which is verse nine. And you alluded to that at the beginning, when they're walking down the mountain, Jesus says to them, don't tell anyone what you've seen until the son of man has been raised from the dead. So he basically says, this was a private experience for you. There will be a season when you can talk about it, but right now, basically just, it's almost like the, the Mary just ponder and treasure these things in your heart. And, um, and I think, you know, this is something the Lord has convicted me of years ago in ministry, um, is that there are things for private consumption and there are things for public consumption, meaning that my relationship with the Lord is not all for public display. There are things that the Lord and I need to wrestle through together, things that he may show me in scripture or convict me of. Those are for me. And I need to treasure those things in my heart. There may be a day when he wants me to share them, but, um, and so I just love that you brought that out. That is such a, um, a beautiful truth that I think we all need to perhaps heed a little bit. Um, just because we have an experience with the Lord, good or bad, um, high or low, maybe bad is not a right, right word (laughs) high or low doesn't mean we should share it. So gosh, thank you for saying that and reminding me of that. That's really good. That little section that you, you know, said is different was one of the sections I circled Mm. when I was like going through it the last time, because this time the father says, listen to him, right? Like, listen to him. I so many times study him. I'll teach him, but like, do I listen to him? Like, am I taking the words and am I being obedient to them? And I think that, um, you know, it's so interesting. These three men hear the same thing and, you know, whether they were at the baptism or not, but the command this time is not just an affirmation from the father of who the son is, but it's the command from the father to listen. And I just, I wonder how much of our world would be different if we did that phrase, listen to him. Mm. We just listen. We listen to what he said instead of what the world says. We listen to what he told us to do instead of like what our sinful self wants to do. You know, it'd be so different. So different. Yeah. I, one of the ironies of this passage, I think, is the fact that God interrupts Peter. <laughs> It says, right, you know, Peter's like, hey, it's Mm -hmm. good for us to be here. I'll put up shelters. And while he was still speaking, God Mm -hmm. says, it's basically like, he's like, hey, Peter, you actually don't know what you're talking about right now. So let me speak the truth over this. And I love that. And, And he's basically just telling him and telling them to take that posture of listening. It is so hard in this world to create space to listen. There's just so we are constantly bombarded with noise and to create that quiet space in our minds, um, is, is so incredibly difficult. So incredibly difficult. I think we're inundated with information and we've lost our wisdom, Mm. right? Like we have information at our fingertips. And so we, we assume because we have all this content that we have quality. And I think that's one of the devil's great tactics is to consume information without actually applying wisdom to our lives. And I think that's what Peter's doing. He's like, wait, I know what's going on here. And God's like, no, no, you don't know. Just listen. So good. I wonder what would it have been like if this had happened in our day and age? (laughs) 
and be like, put your phone away. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. What would he say? What right? would he say? Because I think you're, you're right. I mean, cause even they are being corrected um, or Peter is being corrected in this moment. And Peter gets corrected a whole bunch through this journey with Jesus and just beautiful grace filled ways that we can learn from and that apply to us now. And I, I often think, what would it have been like today? Well, I have so many questions too. And I think that's the problem. And my frustration with text sometimes is because I think like, well, they're up on a mountain. Israel's not a big country. Did nobody else see this cloud? <laughs> right. Does nobody else hear this voice? Like, did not other disciples wonder where Jesus went? You know, yeah. so I'm just like, oh, I have so many questions for heaven one day. Yes. It's a good thing we have eternity to figure it out. I know. And do you wonder if we'll even care when we're up there? All the burning questions we have, will they even matter? <laughs> I know. Uh, who knows? Okay. So anything else stand out to you as you were kind of processing this? Cause you, you had a lot of things. Well, the last phrase that I really, really liked was when, okay. So the disciples in verse six, they hear, they're scared, they're terrified. They fall down, right? Like totally feel in tune to them because I can understand the panic. And then what was really interesting is that Jesus touched them, mm. right? Like he's been touching people and doing miracles all throughout this time. And it's not like they haven't touched Jesus and he hasn't touched them, but something about this stood out where it just, it just, Jesus came to them and touched them. And I just wonder if this was a different touch mm. as if this was a, a healing touch, a presence where his power is on them through the touch. Cause he tells them to get up and not be afraid. So I'm just like, I feel like that's a touch that's different than a, Hey, pass me the bread at dinner. touch. Yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that just spoke to me, like in these moments where, you know, God has led me to a place and I'm not sure this is where I want to be. And I'm, I'm wrestling with, is this good for me? Is it good that I'm here? I'm terrified. I'm frustrated. I'm, I'm anxious about the things that God has said to me. Those are the moments where Jesus touches me. Mm. And so I just, I don't know. I thought that was, that was the big thing. Like, okay, he can lead me. It can be good. I can be scared, but he will touch me. Yeah. Well, and, and I, I think you're right. It is a little different. I mean, and we even think we have different touches for people, you know, when your child is crying and you're cradling them in your arms, it's, it's comfort, it's protection, it's whispering over them. I've got you. You're fine. You know, that kind of touch from a mother or a caregiver to a young child is very different than, uh, fist bump with somebody we walk by at church and just like, Hey buddy, yeah. good to see you. Or, um, you know, or even just a friend that's going through a really hard time and that hug of comfort and no words, um, means something very different than, you know, other kinds of touches. And so I do think, yeah, there, there probably was something, whether it was just the comfort, the intentionality, the being close, um, you know, he sees them and notices that they are terrified. I mean, he, he empathizes with that because then he says, don't be afraid. And so there is something very comforting in this interaction where he's 
kind of seeing their humanity and, and I think understanding, right. I mean, I, I'm with you. I would be, I would be like, I've either lost my mind because I'm seeing things like dead people. (laughs) I'm seeing things like, and I'm hearing voices come out of the clouds or I've actually just had an experience with God. And both of those would be terrifying to me. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So that's so many things that the Lord kind of drew out for you as you kind of took another step with him and really reflected on how does this apply to my life right now? Tell me where you and the Lord went in that part of the process. And you've already kind of talked a little bit about that, but was there something that stood out a little bit more to you as you kept moving through that process? Well, I think for me, this is not where I would have seen my life two years ago. Mm-hmm. And if I'm very honest, like the life I had a couple years ago was really pretty amazing. <laughs> like not that my life right now is not, please don't, don't misconstrue that, but it's not the journey I would have anticipated. Right. And it's not the assignments that I would have expected. And so I relate to these guys, you know, when Jesus is like, Hey, we're going on a, a journey, they climb up a mountain and they're like, Whoa, what did I sign up for? Didn't think this is going to happen. And so I feel like that's been the last couple of years where I'm like, Whoa, God, I did not think this is where you were going to have me. I was on a different path, a different way, a different plan. And now here we are. What do I do with this? And so I think seeing the pattern in the text of, you know, Jesus took him. Like I can trust his heart to take me where he's going to take Mm -hmm. me, even if I don't get it. Um, It's good. I don't have to like it for it to be good. It just, it's good because he is good and he is with me and that I can be afraid. They were afraid. And then he's going to touch me in those moments of need. And I need not be afraid of those moments of need. That's being human. Mm -hmm. And I'm still human. You know, I'm not resurrected in in his glory like he is, but that will be my hope one day. So, um, you know, when you had said this passage, as we were originally talking, I was like, okay, okay. You know, (laughs) it's, it's an interesting passage, but sure. I'm up for a challenge. Well, I gave it to you because you're a Bible student. (laughs) Cause I thought, and I was like, (laughs) you know, like what, okay, I'm going to simmer with this and okay. But the more I read it and I was like, oh, oh, oh shoot. Okay. There's a lot there, Mm -hmm. even for this moment of my life where I'm like, oh, I see your hand in this. And that's, that's good. Yeah. I mean, and I think we've all been on a collective journey over the last few years where life has just been so disrupted and changed. And yeah, I mean, I encourage, I want to encourage everybody who's listening, go back. If you haven't already done the meditation, go back and do it and And do it with that frame of reference, even of your life having changed over the last few years and the invitation to be with God and listen to him in the midst of all of that. Um, That's so good, Natalia. I love that. I know one of the things that changed in your life is that you started homeschooling your three boys. Yes, that was definitely the assignment I did not see coming. For sure. So I would love to know because here's the things I know about you. You do a podcast, you are producing that and creating the content for it. You write Bible studies, you're 
seeking your master's degree and now you're homeschooling three boys. So that is a lot of change and a lot of um, pressure. Um, tell me about how do you create space for God in your life and kind of tend to your soul in the midst of that? So when we took on homeschooling, it was a massive life change because now my kids who were in school full-time are home full-time. And so my schedule essentially got erased. So I will say like, mm-hmm. it is a lot. It looks like a lot. People hear it and it's a lot, but I didn't start it all at the same time. So I think that's important to realize too, is that right there were processes that began um, and then I just disciplined myself and continued forward. Um, so there was a time where I took a little bit of a break from school and I did simmer down on seminary work, you know, as I realized I had to put my kids in the front runner seat of this, you know, train that's moving a thousand miles an hour. But the biggest thing I have learned is that we have gifts and talents and we are all designed differently. And so for some of us, um, that quiet time is essential for some people. Study time is essential with the Lord. For some people, worship time is essential. Mm -hmm. And the thing I very quickly learned is that my time with God would look different in different seasons of my life. So when my, my boys were little and I would have hours to study mm-hmm. in like a, a Lifeway Bible study with a group, um, that's what I did. And then as they became toddlers and I would have three seconds a day t- to take a shower, worship became a method that I was able to spend time with God. When my kids were in seasons where we were in school and in the car all the time, listening to God's word and, and, you know, radio shows or podcasts or the audio Bible, that became my method. And so the first thing I would want to tell people that I wish somebody had told me was that it doesn't have to look the same in different seasons of your life. That's good. Um, It has to meet what the assignment is. And what's most important is that you are not being shamed into thinking Mm -hmm. that your time with God has to look like somebody else's. The most important thing you can do in your relationship with God is be accountable to other people. That other people know you're on this journey of faith and that you are doing something so that they can check in with you. We're very quick to be like, oh, I don't, I don't see him right now. So I like dismiss things. Mm -hmm. But when we are in community with people, when we are in small groups and we have an accountability partner when there are people checking in on our lives that say, Hey, what is God doing? What are you learning? How are you growing? We either lie, Mm -hmm. right. Or we, we keep growing. We keep accountable because we know people are going to check in on. And so, um, and I think that's a big thing in this very disengaged culture right now, right. Where everything is online and we've got, you know, everything is public and we're, we're getting snapshots of our lives but we've been disengaged from these face-to-face conversations with one another. And so I find that to be essential. And so were it not for the people in my life, um, I don't know that all the plates would keep spinning because I think I I believe to my core, we are made for community. And then that is what, what keeps all things moving. Well, there's something that you said in there that I a hundred percent agree with is that our time with the Lord will look different from person to person to person. And I think that 
that's really important to remember because it's a relationship, just like your relationship with your husband looks different than my relationship with my husband, because it's a relationship with two living beings, which means that we, we operate and function differently or my relationship with my mother or my relationship with my child or my best friend, or those all look different because of who I am and who they are. And the same thing goes with God. It is a living relationship. It should be the most important relationship in our lives. And that means we should give it time and attention, just like any other important relationship in our lives, but it is going to look different. And I think that's just so critical and key. And I love that you said that. So thank you. Thanks for highlighting that. Um, And also the different seasons thing. That's also a huge thing because you're right. It is different seasons, but I am still like, when you were like, yeah, when my, my children were really little, I had hours a day. I was like, seriously, how did you have hours a day? <laughs> Strict nap schedule. Okay. <laughs> I was like, Dang, I was asleep. That's amazing. Tyrant. I was, <laughs> we do not function without sleep in this. No, home. we don't either. <laughs> and so we were like, sleep schedules are crucial. Yeah. It's true. It's true. All right. Well, hey, Natalia, this has just been such a delight to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for diving into this passage and um, and bringing so much truth out of it for us. I That was just so wonderful. So thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Well, friends, I also want to thank you for joining me. And I also want to ask a favor. If you are enjoying this podcast, would you please subscribe and review it and do all the things because it really does matter. Thank you again for joining me on so much more because we do believe that Jesus has so much more to say to us and we are creating space to listen. Hello, hello, Quinice Petway here, co-host of the Your Daily Bible Verse podcast. Are you someone who loves to take a deep dive into God's word one verse at a time to explore his will for your life and desire to draw closer to him? If that sounds like you, I'd love to invite you to head over to lifeaudio.com and search your daily Bible verse to tune in and subscribe for daily inspiration, life application, and spiritual transformation through the in-depth exploration of God's word.